105 on this Monday. Good afternoon, folks. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, you know what? I'll update the weather. Right now, it is a uh, very enjoyable, almost balmy, if you will. Um, But right now, depending on where you are, it's right around 48 degrees, partly cloudy. It's going to be a dry night and then pretty much the same weather tomorrow with a high tomorrow right around. uh, Well, actually, no, today, tomorrow, the high will be 55. The rest of the day, the weather, this is really about as warm as it's going to get. And then we will get some rain. But look at these nice temperatures, 55 on Thursday with sunshine and then Friday sunshine. And I know there's potentially a threat of snow coming up on Saturday. But other than that, very calm, uh, mild weather, just about 48, almost 50 degrees at the weather station. Uh, No, folks, on AM 1380, 99.9 FM, this portion of our show is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. You can certainly sit outside on a day like today. They have some of the heaters. Or uh, tonight, Monday Night Football in the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Let me just see some other, um, just checking some other news that are, that are out there on this. Uh, I like it's, I, I like the mild weather like this. Um, I think it, the longer that we can make it through the winter without snow on the ground, to me, it's a benefit. I would like a nice mild winter. I think it's it's better for our mindset. It's also better for our local economy. Um, oh, wow. Paul Pelosi making his first public appearance since the attack received a warm welcome at the high-profile Kennedy Center honors in Washington. He was wearing a hat. That is, um, that's still such a, a bizarre story. I don't know what to, <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to know exactly what happened. Other than the individual who was involved has not done, um, who was arrested, hasn't done any interviews or anything remotely close on that. So uh, something also to watch is whether or not Kevin McCarthy, I mean, he should be the next speaker. There's definitely some question of if he would have the votes, but I believe he does have enough uh, votes to become the next speaker, speaker in in waiting. This is also interesting. I want to play some of this um, this business of changing the primary calendar. Let's go to yesterday's ABC's This Week. Donna Brazil, who I don't really like, but with George Stephanopoulos, Chris Christie weighs in as well. This is interesting that Biden is changing the map. Let's hear that. DNC, you were part of the change the primary calendar. South Carolina now proposed uh, to be first a calendar tailor-made for Joe Biden. Yep. You know... When I walked into our informal dinner and the president, I haven't gotten a letter like this from a president in a long time. He laid out his principles. And, you know, George, I might have walked into that room thinking, you know, the calendar should start perhaps in another state. But when you the president's laid out such a important agenda for us that it was very difficult to counter the president's proposal so yes we're going to extend this what? tradition that we have given to our new hampshire for uh, 
as long as I can recall, to additional states. Just explain to everybody what the first month is now going to look like if this proposal gets If this proposal, we are going to grant waivers to allow five states to go before the window, which is Super Tuesday, March 5th. 20 states applied, 17 were under consideration, five states. That includes February 3rd, starting the great state of uh, South Carolina, followed by the, the, the next Tuesday with uh, Nevada and New Hampshire, and then followed by uh, uh, Michigan and then Georgia. So four out of the five states are battleground states. And I do believe that this tradition that allows voters to look under the hood, check the tires of these candidates. I think the, the voters in South Carolina will do a remarkable job. It's not about that. He's trying to rig the whole thing. So I want to hear uh, Governor Chris, Chris Christie weighs in. Anybody saying in the aftermath of what the DNC has proposed that, oh, yeah, either we're in a tough spot or we're going to change. I think you're going to see the traditional calendar. And let's face it, we've heard from the two United States senators from New Hampshire that they are going to do everything they can to make sure that New Hampshire is first. And they're going to do whatever they need to do to move that date and do whatever. And it's state do. law. That's right. It is state law that they have to be first. And if you go to New Hampshire, as we all have at one time or another, it is part of like your first grade education. We're first. So I think Republicans are probably going to stay right with the calendar the way it's been with, you know, Iowa, New Hampshire. Nevada and South Carolina, and then everybody else coming up behind in Super Tuesday. I don't see the Republicans changing. Yeah, I don't think so either. Biden, he, well, not as many people are going to challenge him if if he does, in fact, go for re-election. I want to hear Dan Abrams was on and he talked about the crypto. Listen to some of these numbers. Crypto problem. of the losses here for investors and its impact on the crypto industry overall. Well, George, when you look at crypto overall, about a year ago this time, the whole industry was $3 trillion. Today, it's about a $900 billion industry. It's come down a lot because a lot of cryptocurrencies have dropped and also because of what's happened inside of FTX. And that is smaller than Apple at this point. The entire industry is smaller than Apple. It's half the size of Apple as an entire company. Mm. I think one of the things that the finance community is really looking at here is how FTX was built. So Dan talks about whether or not he knew. He built the accounting that this company was based on. He created both companies. He created both companies. He owned the hedge fund, Alameda Research, and he partly owned FTX and got a lot of investors into it. That was built on top of Alameda. And where the finance community is really looking at this is where are the regulators right now? Where are the policymakers right now taking a closer look at this story? Because a lot of people have lost a lot of money and we don't even know the extent. A lot of people yet. lost a lot of money, but you sort of answered my second question in your answer saying this whole industry is smaller than Apple. I've been a little bit surprised that this collapse in the crypto industry hasn't spread into the broader financial markets. Well, and one big reason for that is that the collateral that the rest of the industry would accept is not crypto. So, for example, when we saw the housing collapse, the collateral behind the housing collapse was the U.S. housing market. In this case, we're talking about crypto. You can't walk into a bank right now and say, I've got a token and I want to buy a home. That doesn't work. But to your point, there are economic ripple effects from this. Cryptocurrency have been the underpinnings of things like some exotic car markets, uh, the the booming um, going out market, bars, clubs, that kind of thing. The Bahamas is already seeing this because of where uh, FTX is based in the Bahamas. They're saying they're seeing it. Places like Miami are starting to see it. This has been an underpinning of spending in the U.S. economy. 
economy for segments of the U.S. economy. Especially. Mm. That is really interesting. Huh. And then the whole thing is essentially collapsed. Stephanopoulos did get the big interview with the, uh, the guy that started it. I want to just hear, let's see. Asked how Kevin McCarthy will manage divides in the Republican Congress. Dave Joyce says, one thing Kevin does well is weigh out his vision. I want to hear, um, there are people that are trying to argue about Kevin McCarthy and whether or not he's, he's going to be speaker. Um, let me just hear a little bit of this. I, I think manage he's going to do it. How does Kevin McCarthy manage a conference that has, on the one hand, Dave Joyce and members of the Republican governance group, on the other hand, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boberry, seems to be under great pressure from that from that faction of the caucus as well? Well, you know, remember, Kevin started as a minority leader in California, so he's listening. Uh, he used to listening to a diverse group of folks. And one thing Kevin does very well is he makes uh, lays out the, his visions the folks and allows everybody to speak and have that opportunity and what these people got to get used to is that if a majority of the major of our conference agree to something then that's how you move the ball forward and just because five or six people don't like it doesn't mean that we should hold but up if, the they, if they stay hard nose and kevin mccarthy simply can't get the 218 votes he needs for speaker would you be behind this effort that someone talked about i talked to hakeem jeffries about put forward a moderate republican that would attract democratic votes but you know, I think Hakeem was also straight in that he said uh, they, they want to exact some things out of that. And I just don't see anybody on our side willing to give up chairmanships or, or the, the opportunities that come with the, being in the majority. So that'll make it harder for anybody to actually get there. Uh, that'd probably be a perfect resolution to find somebody that everybody could agree on and so we could start moving forward. But I just don't see it happening without, I think, to, uh, the Democrats are going to vote for Democrats, Republicans will vote for Republicans. And I think at the end of the day, Kevin will be the next speaker of the house and that's huge because that would um well that would obviously folks throw a lot of things off if in fact that does not happen and i again not to be a broken record but <clears throat> first of all cicilline is going to have no juice down there the only one that's going to have less juice than cicilline is going to be well the only one with Less juice is, in fact, going to be Seth Magaziner. Still, so disappointing. The Alan Fung won that election. Alan Fung won that election. He won day of voting. Still, and no one talks about it that the only reason magaziner won was 10,000 mail 14,000 mail ballots or he 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 had 10,000 more than fung just ridiculous um you know what story folks I'm watching again good afternoon you're listening to the, the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM now that Georgia runoff is tomorrow. I want to hear the uh, piece they had on GMA. This doesn't sound good. The polls tomorrow to cast the final vote. Uh, Senator Raphael Warnock defeats Herschel Walker. Democrats will have 51 seats, an outright majority. Congressional correspondent Rachel Scott is in Atlanta with the latest. Good morning, Rachel. Hey, George. Good 
morning, and it's a jam-packed day on the campaign trail as both candidates make their last pitch to voters in the highly anticipated and final battle of the midterm election cycle. This morning, with just 24 hours to go, the final scramble to turn out every last vote. We got to get out there and let them know we're sick and tired of this. Former football star Herschel Walker taking on Democratic incumbent yeah. Senator Raphael Warnock in a contentious and critical race. Elections are about a choice. And this election is about competence and character. Warnock held a slight edge on Walker in the November election, but did not get more than 50% of the vote, triggering a runoff by state law. And voters are turning out like never before, smashing single-day records. 1.8 million ballots uh -oh. already cast, lines stretching to the parking lot. In the closing days, Walker has shied away from taking questions. His campaign clouded by controversy. Still, Republicans are determined to show a united front. Governor Brian Kemp easily won re-election. He was never seen with Walker on the campaign trail until now. I'm back in person, and I hope you'll join me in voting for him, too. Uh. turning to former President Barack Obama once again to rally Democrats. But noticeably absent, President Biden, who has stayed away from Georgia altogether. Uh. You have to win this election. Raise money Democrats for it, already though. have control of the Senate, but a win would allow them to widen their majority, which would make things like confirming judges, legislating and negotiating within their own party a whole lot easier. A win for Republicans would give them clear momentum heading into 2024, Cecilia. I don't know. I hope he can pull it out. Doesn't sound good, though. Does not sound promising. Find out tomorrow. It's also, it's, it's just so long. Think how I, I what kind of system is that? Although it, it does sound like they're gonna Well, I believe they're gonna get above fifty percent. Folks, the other story that I am watching, and again, good afternoon everyone. At one nineteen on this Monday, you're listening to the John DePietro show. As I've talked about these um two surviving roommates in Idaho campus killing break silence. Oh, I haven't heard this. This is so bizarre. These four college kids in a home, all four of them were all stabbed to death. No one's been arrested. They haven't even announced a suspect. Me here, this is a piece they had on GMA. Idaho college students, the two surviving roommates who were in-house at the time the stabbies were speaking out, as the father of one victim reveals new details about the case. Kana Whitworth with the story. Good morning, Kana. And George, good morning. Well, authorities have remained tight-lipped about this. Kaylee Gonzalez's father telling us that his daughter's injuries were far more severe than her best friend Madison's. This, as the two surviving huh. roommates break their silence. That's interesting. This morning, the two surviving roommates in the horrific University of Idaho murders breaking their silence in statements read by a pastor at a memorial service. Oh. Bethany and Dylan sharing publicly for the first time how the loss of their roommates has affected them. Bethany saying, They all lit up any room they walked into and were gifts to this world. I wish every day that I could give them all one last hug and say how much I love them. And Dylan writing, I know somewhere Zana and Ethan are together keeping each other company, watching us and telling us it's okay. Maddie and Kaylee were like second moms to me. They changed the way I look at life and how to enjoy life. Their statements coming as frustration grows over the investigation. Shanna, Ethan, Maddie and Kaylee murdered November 13th, uh. more than three weeks ago. But still, no suspect has been identified. Overnight, Kaylee Gonzalez's father confirming to ABC News that Kaylee's wounds 
were much more severe than her best friend Madison's. Huh. Telling Fox News, their means of death don't match. Their points of damage don't match. Sent my daughter to college to get an education. She came back in a box, and I huh. can speak on that. Steve telling ABC News he learned of the details from her autopsy. Her death certificate has details on what was what, what happened, huh. and um, there's other things, but at this time. They say it's not the right time. Gonzalez also saying that Kaylee died in bed next to Madison on the third floor of their home. Shanna and Ethan in the middle floor and the surviving roommates, Bethany and Dylan, on the ground floor. The morning after the murders, they called friends over to the house and eventually the 911 call was made from one of their phones. No call to 911 could have made a difference. So that was comforting to know that it wasn't just a matter of somebody picking up a phone. Authorities maintain huh. this was a targeted attack and say they've received some 3,000 tips. But now, with more mounting questions, the concern taking a toll not only on the community, but the department as well. The community is who we are, and we are part of the community. And, and we don't just say that. We believe it. Uh, we try to give back to our community. Now, many students not even returning after fall break, and the campus is getting ready to close down again for the holidays. But one note to pass along, you guys. Ethan's fraternity started a scholarship in his name, and they have already surpassed their goal of $100,000. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Kana, we appreciate your continued reporting on this. Such a bizarre story, folks. No suspects, four people, and, and you know, stabbed to death? That is just so odd because you would think that, I don't know when we get too gory here at 122 on this Monday, but as I'm thinking, as I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, you just wonder, I would think they maybe put tape over their mouth and, um, or maybe even tied them up first because otherwise if if someone was just if someone was being knifed and and the use of a knife is a very it's a very personal form of um lack of a better word but method if you will and so just the fact that that was done that way Otherwise, you the person you would wake up from the other person in the room that is screaming, let alone, it sounds like they didn't know that there were then two other people in the house. But I, th- that is, um, that boy, that is just so bizarre. So four people and no suspect. Look how, you know, that, that the guy in Massachusetts, that deranged lunatic that murdered that poor couple. It turns out he was friendly with their son and killed them. I mean, they caught up to him in Miami. That was, they immediately knew who they were looking for. But what is so bizarre about this Idaho college students is it just, it sounds like they have, no, I mean no suspects. There's no one on their radar. 
they haven't named a person of interest. It also, it just doesn't stand to reason that you would think, you know, wouldn't there, you would think there'd be some kind of fingerprints, uh, video surveillance, some, some manner of which someone captured someone entering that home, some vehicle, some someone getting a license plate. It is, um, I mean, it's just so odd, but nothing. It doesn't even sound like they have a hint of who they're looking for, which is very, very frightening, as you can imagine. I can't imagine the poor people in and around that area who, um, I don't know how then anyone is not, how anyone is just going along with that. That is not a normal existence. But listen, it is, it's very possible, you know, the whole thing about, and folks, good afternoon at 126. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You know, you think of the, um, they talk about, it's, well, it's a program, 48 hours, but it's, it's, it's 48 hours that within the first 48 hours that they, they traditionally could then um, solve a crime. And a, a huge percentage of the the crimes are solved within that time period. When you start to go outside of that is when it becomes seemingly more difficult to try to solve a crime. I mean, this is going on quite some time now. I was mentioning this, this almost sounds like, remember the, the film in, in the, well, the famous book in Cold Blood, that somebody just, map that out and descend it on them. But that's interesting that one of the females that the wounds were more severe than than the other one. So not that that is any consolation by any kind, but um, well anyway folks uh, there's a lot more in the news as well. Folks, this portion of the, the program on this on this Monday this portion of our show, folks, again, you just have a little bit longer if you would like to get your driveway or a parking lot paved. You can contact J. Perry Paving today for a free quote, high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401 732 1730. 401 732 1730. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. Whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. Affordable, smooth, safe to drive on. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. Call them 401 732 1730. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, 20 years experience, specializing commercial paving, residential paving, seal coatings. Patios and general masonry projects. Call J. Perry Paving today, 401-732-1730. Well, 128 on this Monday, December 5th, 
that is um, that is just such a bizarre story that took place. Still no clue on that. I think it's interesting the parents are starting to speak out more. And there's a lot of questioning going on. I, I believe the FBI is also now involved in that. But that's, that's frightening that they don't even have um, a suspect in that, in that case. That, I mean, that is very baffling that someone could seemingly or several individuals make their way into a home and then take the life of four different people in Idaho and a college students stabbed to death. Hmm. What would be the, the motive on that? I don't think there is a motive. Well, there, there can't be. There's no motive, right? I mean, it's what would be the nature of that? I don't know. That is a tough one. How about also, folks, that very disturbing, um, very disturbing story about the, well, let me play it. Several disturbing stories out there. But the, um, the guy in Texas, that little girl, oh, brutal FedEx delivery driver, kidnapping and killing of a seven-year-old girl near Fort Worth. Charged with Here we go. To crime in Texas that Terrible. has parents everywhere worried about their own children. Oh. A delivery driver charged with killing a seven-year-old girl oh. was kidnapped from her home last week outside of Fort Worth. NBC's Morgan Chesky is at the jail where the driver is being held. Such a horrific story. Morgan, good morning. Yeah, Hoda, good morning. And an absolutely heartbreaking ordeal for the family of little Athena Strand. Authorities say when she went missing last Wednesday, a FedEx truck was spotted near her home. Now, this launched a massive search and an Amber Alert. Her body was found two days later. Now, that driver has since confessed and is now inside this Texas jail, but has yet to reveal why. It hurts our hearts to know that that child died. This morning, the family of Athena Strand grappling with a nightmare. Their seven-year-old daughter kidnapped from her home and killed. Athena's mother taking to Facebook to share her grief, writing in part, we feel like we failed you. No one deserves what happened to you, but especially you. Investigators say the suspect, a delivery driver, was dropping off a package at the time of Athena's disappearance. Her body found two days later, about 10 miles from her home outside Fort Worth, Texas, after 31-year-old Tanner Horner confessed to the horrific crime. Athena's stepmother was home at the time and contacted police after she spent an hour looking for the child. With the help of FedEx, investigators identified and located Horner. Authorities saying they believe he killed the seven-year-old within an hour of taking her. Horner, a contract driver with FedEx. The company said in a statement that employees are subject to criminal history background checks. No criminal record for Horner was found in a search by NBC News. With frequent deliveries to homes as the holidays are fast approaching, former FBI agent Brianna Fox says parents should caution their children. What would you tell a parent that has a child at home? Sometimes kids are taught, you know, be polite, and they then don't want to scream even though things are really off. So sometimes even just telling their kids scream if something happens, that's enough to just deter the offender. Other advice for parents? 
Get a doorbell camera. Even a dummy one is enough to potentially deter someone with bad intentions. Have your packages delivered to your office instead of your home. And if your child is young and has gone missing, don't wait to call police. Now, as for that suspect, he faces charges of capital murder and aggravated oh. kidnapping. He remains in this Texas jail with bonds totaling one and a half million dollars. All right, folks, good afternoon. Sorry to bum everyone out during this uh, Christmas season. It's one thirty-three. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Hey, this is different. How about the, I'm seeing the NFL is, are yanking the Patriots off Sunday night football. So I guess there's a number of people who, uh, they kind of bought like a, a long weekend package to go see the team in Las Vegas. They're supposed to be playing the Sunday night game because the Patriots are playing so poorly. And because uh, the Las Vegas team is also playing poorly, they have moved the game to 405. <laughs> I mean, that, that is not a good sign by any means. Wow. Huh. Hmm. Boy, when it rains, it pours. Belichick not planning on making drastic changes despite the Patriots' struggle on offense. I mean, it is basically over at this point. Totally over. How about, I was with a, uh, a Patriot season ticket holder last night who said, I mean, already people are starting to question, like, do I really want to? That's a big commitment. And the cold weather and, you know, it's uh, it's one thing when it's Brady and they're winning. Mac Jones having a meltdown in the field, a little bit of a different feel. <laughs> Maybe then people are saying, you know, I, I, I don't know about if I feel like going through this. I think in the next year or two, if you've been waiting to try to get Patriot season tickets, you could be in luck. Patriots' extended run of primetime football ended. It impacts fans with a long weekend getaway to Las Vegas. <laughs> wow. Being bumped off Sunday night. Who has the Channel 5 has the story? Here's the National Football League. You've seen enough of the Patriots yanking them. They want to ensure quality matchups. The game is uh, against the the Raiders, 8.20 to ear. This is Sunday, December 18th. The game has now been moved to 4 o'clock on Fox. <laughs> the game will be seen regularly in selected markets across the country, including Boston, Providence, most of New England. The NFL has moved now the Giants-Washington Commanders game into the Sunday night primetime game. Patriots have been featured in national broadcast for several weeks in a row. Patriots were featured against the Vikings on Thanksgiving night. They fell to Buffalo on Thursday night. Cardinals are set to play the Patriots on Monday Night Football next week. Now, one thing that also should be mentioned here is the Cowboy-Giant game did incredible numbers 
on Thanksgiving Day. I think upwards of uh, 40 million. So the Giants having a winning season makes a huge difference with the New York market. So I think it's more about let's put the Giants on Sunday night and pull whatever. They'll pull much bigger numbers than our Patriot Raider. But, boy, that is being bumped off. Huh. That is not the Patriot way. That is very unpatriot-like, as a matter of fact. Wow. Huh. Patriots being bumped off. Sunday night football. I'm seeing the globe. Patriot Raiders flexed out of Sunday night football into the 405 time slot. Hmm. Who wrote this story? Nicole Yang. The Week 15 showdown. Belichick, Josh McDaniel. Won't be played in prime time. Fox now has the game. The time of the NFL schedule release, the matchup carried significant intrigue given the relationship between Belichick and McDaniel. But the allure has simmered. Five and seven Raiders against the six and six Patriots. <laughs> Patriots have one primetime game Monday night at Arizona remaining on the schedule. They have a regular season finale against Buffalo's yet to be scheduled. It's kind of a lost season, folks. I mean, that's just what's going on. Move over Chiefs and Bills. The AFC belongs to the Bengals. Yes, they do. Hmm. Jimmy Garoppolo is done. No thanks to Deshaun Watson. Watson, that, that guy finally played after a year and a half. Um. But that is, um, well, that, again, the, the whole run, the whole Patriot way, whole thing. I know there are far more shows that dedicate to that is, um, is taking on a different turn. Now, also, Dan McGowan wrote, Big Day for Providence Reparations Program. <laughs> Mayor Jorge Elada. And the city council have already signed off on $10 million in American Rescue Plan Act funds, various programs. All the bids are public, initially approved for advertising. Overview of some of the bids that will be open today. So a lot of this are some different policies, not just the direct reparation money that ridiculously is going to be going to uh, various individuals. So there's that. Folks, again, good afternoon. It's 1.40 on this Monday. I'm going to go back to some more sound. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of the program is brought to you by Falcon Pest Service. Call today, free quote, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Remember, you can have pests all year long. Do you have a problem, maybe with termites or bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats? Mosquitoes are more summertime. But Falcon Pest Services, extermination services for restaurants, office buildings, all different types of condos, apartments, single family homes, whether it's one-time treatment, monthly service, 
quarterly service, year-round protection. Call them today, free quote, Falcon Pest Services, 401-739-1322. Do you have a pest problem? 401-739-1322 for Falcon Pest Service. Folks, good afternoon. I want to go to a little more sound. Tomorrow's a big day in Georgia. I don't, like everyone else, I don't have a handle on whether or not Herschel Walker is going to pull this out. Um, but the, the voting seems just off the charts, which traditionally does not bode well. I want to hear, um, this is yesterday in Meet the Press. They described the spending that's going on in Georgia. So, and Democrats are outspending the Republicans. Here we go. I'm obsessed with the Georgia ad spending. I got to put up one more set of numbers here, Yamish. Uh, and that is this. This is all the money that's been spent. Yamish. Essentially on behalf of Raphael Warnock. All right. Since 2020. We're nearing $400 million. Huh. In one state. This is just in all those. And, and I, I said here. For, for a comparison, Mitt Romney's presidential campaign spent $400 million uh, in 20, just over $400 million in 2012. So $400 million for one candidate in essentially two years, um, assuming he wins this runoff on Tuesday. Isn't Raphael Warnock basically the first guy off the bench now for 2024? Uh, that's a great question. I'm not quite sure I can answer it if he's going to be the person off the bench. What I can say is it underscores to you that they're taking this race very seriously. And as someone who has been down in Georgia and interviewed people who think Herschel Walker is a liar but who will still vote for him, Warnock is putting his money in a place saying, well, this is someone who was very, very popular. And even no matter what he says, no matter what people might look at him and say he's sort of an imbecile and he's maybe not realistic, his voters, who I've said again, Having interviewed them, at times have told me, I don't believe what Walker's saying. I think that he doesn't have a good character. I'm still going to vote for him because he's a Republican. He's up against those kind of voters. So Warnock is putting money in this race because he knows he has to. And these 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 um, polls, while they show that at some point that Warnock has a sort of slight lead, they're still pretty tight. And it, they're tight in a race where most folks would say this isn't wow. really a race that should be tight. Oh, I, I, that is... Again, election season. Folks, 400 million. 400 million for that one Senate seat. Now, I also want to hear Israel Prime Minister designate Benjamin Netanyahu. He was on Meet the Press and talked about some of those comments from Kanye West, known as Yee and Nick Fuentes. Listen to this. You've been more critical of some congressional Democrats uh, who are critical of the Israeli government than you are of a Donald Trump uh, who's been elevating people who praise Hitler. Is that go to this sort of transactional nature if it's, you know, but they're helping Israel and if they're helping Israel, that's what's got to come first? Sorry, Chuck, I just uh, nullified that argument in, on this very program and on previous programs when I came out very strongly against that meeting with that, uh, uh, with that, and those anti-Semitic grantings, which uh, in the case of uh, at least one of the participants seemed to be something that is, uh, how shall I say this, uh, related to personalities, uh, more than, probably more than views 
but they're bad enough either way. You don't exculpate them. Whoever says it for whatever reason right. is wrong. You don't praise Hitler. You don't praise Hitler. How can you praise Hitler? Hitler was the greatest mass killer of all time. So anybody who praises him is wrong. Anybody who meets with him and gives it legitimacy is wrong. And I, I've said it as much and I'll continue. You know, that's absolutely right. Um, and, you know, this whole business, the president uh, is still dealing with this. Now, another thing that President Trump did over the weekend, I mentioned this first time, this whole business of termination of the Constitution. What are you talking about? I also think that this is, there are some people that now they won't comment on that. I, I don't, how do you, you can't just ignore certain news. Now, this is Mark Short. He worked with uh, President Trump. You know, he's asked about Donald this. Trump, what he's done with Kanye West, this Nick Fuentes, what he's done with the Constitution. You know, is is this time different? You know, Chuck, I don't think it's a it's a good platform for a presidential campaign to say that we should just set the Constitution aside. And I feel like um, we've we've seen this, I think, aggression continue ever since January 6th. And, you know, candidly, as far as putting the Constitution aside, I candidly think that's what he asked the vice president to do two years ago mm-hmm. when rioters were attacking the Capitol and he asked the vice president to overturn the election results. And so I think, unfortunately, this has been a consistent trend. Now, I do think that there is concern from many conservatives about his belief about what happened in the Twitter revelation, believing the media has had a double standard here. I mean, I know when Mike Pence is vice president of the United States, his son was getting a paycheck from the government to serve the United States Marine Corps. When Joe Biden is vice president, Hunter Biden was getting tens and tens of thousands of dollars from the communist Chinese and from Ukraine, which was Joe Biden's portfolio. Millions. I think there has been a double standard. But the president's remarks, mm-hmm. the company he's keeping, I think, is is way beyond the fold. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, folks. I don't think um, at one forty-seven on this Monday, as I've said, I just don't think it helps him. I don't see where it helps the campaign. You're running these types of distractions, these types of comments. Where does it help? Let me hear Jen Psaki talks about President Trump says he cannot be ignored. Not to win the nomination. Let me hear this. I mean, I think Democrats and sane Republicans underestimate Trump at their own peril because in order for Trump not to win the nomination, there has to be a better alternative. That's how primaries work, right? Ron DeSantis, this man, he's either the savior or he's currently at his peak. Mike Pence, with all due respect, didn't exactly light the world on fire politically before he was selected by Donald Trump to be his running mate. So the question is, who's the alternative? Trump has some evil charisma that helps him win the nomination. <laughs> the nomination process is long. What is going to happen here, in my view, is people should not underestimate. I mean, you know, I, I don't fully agree with her, but I'll say this. There are many people that, and, and, and you may be one of them, as you're listening right now on this Monday afternoon. I, I was speaking with someone over the weekend who already told me they, they're ready to vote for DeSantis. I said, you have no, you, how, how do you, you, you haven't seen him on a debate stage. It is completely different. Um. <laughs> But this started off the meet the press. I mean, it starts off, and again, it's the whole business of the Trump factor. 
good Sunday morning. Donald Trump launched his third bid for the White House just 19 days ago, believe it or not. And already his campaign and the Republican Party are being tested as he refuses to disavow the anti-Semitic and racist part of the party that he has aligned himself with for years now. Trump has been endorsed by just a single Republican senator for this third bid, Alabama's Tommy Tupperville. On the House side, his supporters include people like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Paul Gosar. His former Vice President Mike Pence, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, not only they are not endorsing Trump, they're all making moves to run against him in the primaries. And though he announced his 2024 campaign so early as a way to complicate several federal criminal investigations into him, this week a federal appeals court fast-tracked the Mar-a-Lago investigation, ending an outside review of classified documents the FBI had seized from his home and freeing the Justice Department and the new special counsel to use them in its criminal investigation. So now Trump is testing the limits of his ability to be a relevant political figure. And he's testing the limits of the Republican Party as he yet again embraces this extremism and anti-Semitism. After the rapper Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, uh. lost lucrative partnerships with Adidas and others because of an anti-Semitic tirade, Donald Trump still welcomed him to Mar-a-Lago for a pre-Thanksgiving dinner. And Kanye brought along Nick Fuentes, a prominent white supremacist, Holocaust denier and anti-Semite. Trump has claimed not to know who Fuentes was. But he's not yet disavowed either Fuentes or Ye. Instead, Trump recorded a video expressing solidarity with the mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. He did that earlier this week. And then on Saturday, seemingly out of nowhere, called for the suspension of the Constitution as yet another attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Trump has been politically underestimated before with these antics. And in the end, the party has stood by him when he's been their nominee. But the backlash... A lot of backlash, though, on this one. A lot of backlash. Folks, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Newsmax did a segment on the Idaho College murders. Former FBI agent Jonathan Gilman explained chilling insight what to expect next. Let me just case. hear this. Now thing. saying there is a, quote, conflicting means of death between their daughter and her friend. Mm. Joining us now for more is former FBI agent and former Navy SEAL Jonathan Gilliam. Jonathan, welcome back to Wake Up America. So let's start with that. What conflicting means of death mean? Um, autopsy results are already out. The father of one of those um, students says the points of damage don't match. What does he mean by this, you think? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't know what this guy means. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a turn on this uh, because this individual, Stephen Gonzalez, uh, or gone, I always butcher his last name. Uh, He is, he's doing an interview, it seems like every four to eight hours. And many of these different news agencies are putting what he has to say all over the airwaves. And they're not, they're not looking at the totality of the things that this guy says. He himself, not law enforcement, he says conflicting things constantly. And he says things that are very odd over and over again. I've worked a lot of different cases. I spoke to a lot of different law enforcement. In fact, one uh, police officer who was a mayor of a town in Springfield and a a 20-year police officer reached out to me yesterday and said he's never seen anyone that seemed like they have committed a homicide more than than uh, Mr. Gonzalez. Hmm. Now that's something when when we're looking at his 
uh, at his statements that he is consistently making to the media, and the media is overlooking the fact that he is he is saying things. And I have some of the things that he says right here. He says that uh, that nobody uh, in the room that it was fast and nobody suffered. Right? Yeah, There's been no report that? on them. He's also said that um, he's just going to say it. This is a quote uh, from, from Kaylee's dad. I'm just going to say it. It was leaked to me. I earned that. I paid for that funeral. I sent my daughter to college. Uh, she came back in a box. He went to the, when they had their, their service for, uh, for all the, the, the four slain and made jokes and talked about the lighting. I mean, yeah. This individual is bothering me and many people very much. And if at the very least... He is causing law enforcement more problems, I think, than anything else. Yeah, it, you know, again, it's it's definitely confusing. I've heard him on these interviews say those things. Jonathan had read that. Uh, you know, you wonder if he's a parent and grieving, if that's what he's going through. But um, definitely interesting. He also said something that caught my eye, that the killer chose to go upstairs. So I want to remind the view, our viewers of the home. So it's a three-level home. Um, the main entrance is actually, like, the basement area. And then you go up the second floor. That's where a couple of the bedrooms were. And then you go to the third floor where there were other bedrooms. So he's saying... The so this father, that the killer went up that second floor and went through the sliding glass door. Have you heard any police reports saying that, um, that, that that was how the killer entered the home? We've heard no definitive police reports that say that. Although I do believe that is correct. I think when you look at the two individuals, the two uh, females that were in uh, the first floor, and that first floor opens up into a common living room type space. I guess there's bedrooms there, and those go upstairs. It's almost like a second apartment. Yeah. And the the second floor has its own main area, and the and then there's the third floor. Um, and uh, this uh, Mr. Gonzalez, he he continues to push out their details about this crime that nobody really knows about. Uh, we do know that, that people were killed on the second and the third floor. I personally have never heard any reports where they were saying that uh, that there was a different types of attacks and ferocity amongst the different victims. The only person that said that is this same individual. And in uh, the way that he talks about how his daughter and the other girl that was with her were sleeping in the same bed. That, that information was not released until he said it. Right. Yeah, so I, I wonder if, if the police will come out, Jonathan, and kind of clear up some of these things because, of course, you know, people want answers, right? Kids are back on campus. A winter break's going to start soon. They still don't have a suspect. Um, we talked about the DNA with you. We have about 30 seconds left because there were so many people in that home. Um, when do they get all of the DNA back, and, and what do you think it could tell them, especially if the suspect's not in the system? What's going to be a, a tremendous help on the DNA is when they find DNA that's mixed. There's so many people in that house that there's going to be DNA spread all over the place. It's what DNA is mixed in with the blood on the bed in and around where uh, the four victims were at. Because this, again, I said this from the very beginning with you on this uh, network, that uh, they, these were violent attacks. It was most likely a male uh, physically fit enough to stand over four people and potentially have to fight these four people. Um, but in any case, as he is stabbing, he's also losing skin cells, hair, um, and those types of things can be used for DNA that would be mixed in. Yeah, and a lot of people say he may have caught himself in that process. Um, all right, Jonathan Gilliam, thank you so much. We appreciate it.
Boy, that is interesting, folks, about the um, father of one of the victims. Huh. I'm not... hmm. Father of Idaho student. Dad of slain Idaho student Kaylee Gonzalez says daughter or friend was targeted. Parents of murdered method of don't match. Hmm. It's. I'm just looking at a. Parents of murdered Idaho student Kaylee Gonsalves say two victims. Method of death don't match. I'll cut to the chase. Stephen Gonsalves, the means of death don't match. Grieving dad Presswood referring to his daughter and best friend Madison. They don't match. Their points of damage don't match. I'm going to say it. It wasn't leaked to me. I paid for that funeral. I sent my daughter to college. Three weeks later, police have not named any suspects or motives in the grisly slaughter. Ugh. The family also told News Nation police were not forthcoming, providing information. A couple of individuals cleared very fast, maybe shouldn't have been, said the mother. Mystery person listed on lease. No, that turned out nothing. Locks on the college house were fixed weekend before. Hmm. I don't. The mystery killer's been on the loose for three weeks. Leaving police in Moscow, Idaho, scrambling. The story is very bizarre. It is. Well, folks, good afternoon, 159 on this Monday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I don't mean to talk about such a grisly topic. This portion of the program brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. What are you doing right now? Are you hungry? You are? Are you on 146? Great. Pop by the Lodge. Grab a nice sandwich, 146. Uh, It's 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, Lodge Pub and Eatery. Pop in and see them. Well, folks, it's Sean DePietro. Listen, enjoy this sunny Monday. We will be doing Facebook Live later. And then, of course, we're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. See where that story leads. And again, tomorrow is a big day with this runoff in Georgia. And we'll see. Hopefully, Herschel Walker can pull this out. Enjoy this Monday and stay tuned for the 1 o'clock, the 2 o'clock news. The 2 o'clock news is Thank you, John. Stay tuned for the John Dion program. It's now 2 o'clock here on WNRI Woonsocket.